tries to stay young. I, I still break dance actively. I actually teach a class tonight, 7 p.m. in my garage, teaching people how to uh, the, the basics of break dancing. So I'm somebody that's very active. I like to, to be active, not just in, you know, I like to play sports. I play basketball a lot. I uh, love to hang with the kids in the backyard, do, doing whatever. Uh, and then also um, I serve. I'm a big, big uh, servant hearted person i love to to give back and so we serve at our church and you know this saturday we do a serve day where we go out and actually serve in the community i'm going to be working at a thrift store i hope i can sell some stuff that'd be pretty fun but i'm sure they're going to have me like stocking shelves and things like that (laughs) but uh married to my beautiful wife natalie actually uh you know, we've been together 20 years this year from when we first started uh, dating, and uh, and you know, it's been an exciting ride. So that's just a little bit about me today. Oh, wow, that's a great intro. And um, blaze your own trail. You have your own uh, podcast and businesses too. Um, yep. And um, I'm curious um, about like how old were you when you had your first child? Yeah, so I was the bright age of 22 years old. Uh, wow. 22, ha- you know, a, a baby having a baby, right? And and <laughs> and, and those in those years, you know, I, I'd love to just share kind of my background, origin story, and then we'll kind of actually we'll eventually get to when our son was born and how challenging those times were and kind of what happened next. But I'd love to kind of rewind a little bit if that's okay. Let's rewind, yeah, of course. Yeah, let's yeah, let's give some context. So, so yeah, so I was, I was actually born in uh, Portland, Oregon. So in the Pacific Northwest, such a beautiful part of the country. I don't know if you guys have ever, ever been up to Portland, but man, so, so pretty. It's green year round because it rains six months a year. Uh, and so definitely I actually enjoy rain, believe it or not. A lot of people hate it, but to me, it reminds me of home. And I think when you can have something that really relates to home. It, it's something that sticks with you. And so uh, I grew up really poor, uh, you know, food stamps, government assistance. Uh, and a lot of it was because my mom was actually born in, in 1958 with one lung. And when she was born, uh, the doctors told my grandmother, they said, uh, you know, she's probably not going to live to 18. Uh, she's definitely not going to be able to have any kids because of the capacity of childbirth on her body. And, you know, my mom, you know, had had different plans. You know, she was a fighter. She ended up having five boys. Right. And she lived to 54 years old. And so wow. she kind of took that hand of cards she was dealt and she surpassed the the expectations. And, man, she was such a, a great human. You know, she taught me a lot about kindness. She taught me uh, how to have a, a sense of humor. Uh, she definitely gave me this gift of gab conversation. You just talking to everybody, you know, not being afraid of people judging you. And so, you know, my mom definitely meant a lot to me. And, uh, you know, when she passed away, that was a big, that was like a really, really big loss. And I almost felt, I, I, I didn't almost, I definitely felt lost as, as a man, like without mom, it's like, what, what do I do? You know, <laughs> what's my life going to look like? And so when I was younger, you know, uh, really, if I want to kind of talk about pivotal moments, you know, what have I been through in my life? And I like to share these stories because I be, I'm a big believer that adversity gives us strength. You know, it, it enables right. us to see through a lens that a lot of people can't actually see through and, and frankly may never experience. And so when uh, I was in Jordan. four, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Jordan, to interrupt you right before you get into that. Um, yep. Um, it's like a lot of people are like, yeah, life's not fair. Not, nothing's fair. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm at a disadvantage. I'm a victim. Things aren't fair. But your mom was born with one lung, you know, and despite those odds, she was able to 
live much longer than they thought she would and give and create, you know, and give life to, um, you know, you and your siblings. And uh, it's 100%. an amazing story. And it's, you know, I love um, hearing stories like that because it just always grounds me, makes me feel humble and uh, to be grateful for what I have, you know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Not yeah, only that, and... I, th I think she also did not want to claim the title of being a victim. And she just, sure. she wanted to be the, the fighter that you said. Um, so what's your opinion on like, you know, on that, ment on that mentality? You know, the people that just claim victimhood and the people who don't. I, you know, honestly, I, I think that the people that claim it, they, they don't know any better. You know, they don't have resources. They don't have people that are in their corner that are saying, hey, mm -hmm. you know, there's another side to this because encouragement goes a long way. Having people in your environment that can actually be, be a positive influence, that's unfortunately in this world, it's not something that everybody has. And I was fortunate to have a mom that told me I could do whatever the heck I wanted to do. And I believed her, you know, I still believe her to this day. I still have that confidence that if I want to tackle something, there's the only thing that's going to stop me is me. And man, when you have that, you know, when you have that chip on your shoulder and you have that edge, uh, it, it makes, it makes life very interesting, you know, uh, because yeah, if there's definitely. a lot, listen, I, I fail a lot, but it's because I'm trying <laughs> a lot, you know, it's because I'm testing a lot. I'm not afraid to put myself out there. And that's something that, uh, you know, it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like that kind of, uh, atmosphere that's created by the person is infectious and it just makes you want to follow suit and, you know, with all the support that they're giving, especially when it's unconditional it's very it grow it it supports your mindset of becoming of wanting to do something better for yourself and just yeah. constantly wanting to work and having a, a mm -hmm. good work ethic 100 percent. yeah and it's very so, interesting uh can i also comment that you know i started sure. realizing, realizing this about myself a little bit that um like i remember like uh when i was especially a little bit younger you know when i didn't have everything i had now like a house and everything that's nice you know it's like i uh i used to grind a lot harder i used to hustle a lot harder and now i'm kind of feeling like now that things are nice i'm like ah can i just relax for a bit <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> hustle as hard you know this kind of things i mean i'm still a hustler so you know work a lot and every hour of the day you know i'm still like thinking and planning and doing things but it's like uh you know i i um i do like understand how like when your life becomes so nice you end up not wanting to do things you know and you just want to sit down and relax which is kind of a you know the opposite of what i aspire to be because for me what's motivating right now is like who do i want to be in the future you know who are the people i look up to and who, are, who do i want to be so um yeah it's 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 kind of tricky because you're uh everyone wants to have a good life <laughs> but sometimes having you know a comfy life is not exactly what you want Sure. Yeah. yeah, no, and no, it definitely can be a, a double-edged sword for sure. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to share quick. So three pivotal go moments, right? Well, let's, let's start. We'll go back to fourth grade. And so the end of fourth grade, I don't know why guys, but we had a, we had a picnic. It was tetherball, it was baseball at the park, you know, kickball, all these different games and food. And I was uh, I was up to bat. So I, I grabbed this baseball bat 
and I, I get up and I swung and I missed and I kind of spun around. You know how when you miss, the momentum carries your body? And yeah. the bat actually flew out of my hands and it landed under a massive Douglas fir tree. And so I run over to retrieve the bat. I, I grab it. I stand up. There's a beehive on my head. And so literally, I immediately I start getting stung. I'm running. The bees, you know, it's like a cartoon. Seriously, the, the bees are chasing <laughs> after me. I'm I'm doing somersaults. Kids are running away from me. Teachers are running away from me because they see this trail of bees. And then finally, the good teachers grab coolers. They dump them on me. They start picking all these bees. I got stung 53 times in fourth grade. Oh, uh, and so, wow. you know, that, that taught me that I can handle some pain, you know, uh, <laughs> luckily I wasn't allergic cause we wouldn't be on this podcast right now. I wouldn't yeah. have survived that, but, uh, but that was kind of a pivotal moment for me. And it also showed me that, you know, in panic situations, different people act differently. Like there were adult humans running away from me, you know, with the kids. And then there were some other ones that decided to help. Right. And so it, it kind of showed me situational awareness a little bit and mm -hmm. what happens in these types of uh, in when these types of things take place um and so we'll, we'll fast forward so you know being poor growing up with food stamps not having a lot of money my mom had one lung she couldn't work and so she would you know go to the dog races which is like greyhound racing i don't know if they've had that you know where you guys are from that you know she would play bingo to try to win <laughs> the you know bonuses and and that way we could have school clothes and stuff like that she she hustled right you mentioned hustling she was the original side hustle queen you know before <laughs> before they existed and so you know we we moved a lot man we moved probably 14 times from birth to 14 years old which, which is which is really a ton there's there's people i know that haven't moved twice in their entire 35 to 40 year lifetime you know and so on one of these moves we we actually moved two towns away and I begged my mom. I said, Mom, I want to keep going to this middle school. I have known these kids since kindergarten. Even though we moved, we moved in the same school district. And, and she agreed. So she did this bus route with me. We had to take two buses. The first stop was at a 7-Eleven convenience store. The next one was stopped directly on the street where my school was. And so one day, I'm at my stop at this convenience store. I have a very specific routine, uh, Saeed and Ali. Here, here's my routine. I would walk in. I would go directly to Mortal Kombat 2 arcade game. <laughs> I'd put my two quarters in, and I would play Mortal Kombat, and I'd be crushing it until my until the bus came. Right, the lady Rosa, <laughs> my mom met her. I knew her. I knew how much time I had. I could beat a few guys, and then I had to jump on the bus. And so one day I walk in. I'm I'm doing my normal routine. I hear the bell ring, and uh, within about a, a minute, I hear a male's voice say, "Hey, Daniel." And I just keep playing because I'm Jordan. I'm not Daniel. I just keep playing the game. And all of a sudden, my body is lifted. I'm thrown against the Terminator 2 pinball machine. There was a gun that pulled the trigger. And I was assaulted, thrown on the ground, handcuffed, and put into a police car. And mind you, I'm yelling. I'm crying. The lady at the store is yelling. The cops are cussing at this lady. They, they said, you know, be quiet or we're going to take you to jail too. And... So they thought I was a Hispanic runaway. Okay, so they made a couple. <laughs> they, they made a couple mistakes that day. The first yes, one did. is my my dad's from the Philippines. <laughs> that was the first mistake that they made. The second one was I was not a runaway. Of course, I was just there every day doing my same normal routine. And 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 the third mistake that they made was um, I mean they 
ensued violence, like brutality on a 12 year old. And so I'm in the back of this police car and I, you know, I wasn't a great student guys. I'm just to be honest. I didn't do my homework a lot, <laughs> but I knew that I did my homework that night before. And I said to the officer, I said, sir, please look in the back of my London fog jacket. Like, you know, my homework is in there. And he, he reaches in the jacket. He pulls out this crumpled paper and it says Jordan Mendoza. And man, when I tell you the guy looked like he saw a ghost because he knew that he screwed up. And so, you know, long story short, the officers lose their jobs. I move on. I was actually, I had so much empathy at the time, just seeing things that my mom went through. I, I, you know, I had a grandmother that had dementia and had cancer and just kind of seeing a lot of pain. I had such a heart for people that I said, listen, they need to lose their jobs, but I don't want to take this any further than this. Like my mom wanted to pursue court. It was probably thinking about the money. We didn't have any, but for me, I was like, I just want this to be over. You know, and I had that level of empathy at 12 to say, let's squash this. That's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, I... that's uh, an, an, like an <laughs> uncomfortable position to be put in like racial profiling at such a young age. Yeah. And I mean, at the same time, you're, you're 12. It's like, how, how can they mistake you for someone older? I Man, you, you know, when people get amped up, you know, like they were probably a little revved up, you know, maybe somebody said, hey, we see someone that matches the description, you know, like people get the energy level gets too high. And I think something happens, you know, the endorphins, you know, the dopamine yeah. hit kicks in and, and they get, you know, they get aggressive. But like at 12, I was like five foot five, <laughs> 89 pounds. Like who the heck was, you know, who was I going to hurt? You know, what was I going to do to somebody, you know? And that's, that's where you kind of think. And it's like, they must've been, you know, really fired up. You know, <laughs> you have to be fired up to beat a, to beat up a kid, you know? That's true. Mm -hmm. And what's your opinion on like uh, on these kind of situations that people have to face in the U.S. Obviously, with police. Man, uh, you know, I, I would say this. I'm glad it didn't happen to me like this year because I probably would have got shot. Ooh. Just, just being honest, right? Like, you know, just imagine if I would have tried to fight back. I mean, just you, you know, di different. Everybody reacts different in different situations. But I don't know if you remember, I had experienced a crazy thing in fourth grade, and so I had a little situational awareness that I developed, and I knew to just stay down. Like, don't don't try to resist arrest. Like, just kind of deal with this, and and you know, and then I'm going to my thoughts. Like, how can I get out of this? Like, I'm definitely not a runaway. I'm definitely not this person that they're trying to make you out. But when that happens to you, you actually feel like you did something wrong. Honestly, I felt, I was like, did I do this? You know, like, I don't know because it, <laughs> yeah. all, it all happens so quick and you don't know really what's going on. But, but no, it definitely, I mean, it teaches you how to stay, how to stay calm, you know, uh, and, and in today's culture, uh, people do the opposite. It's like, people try to run and and then all of a sudden they're just they're gone you know they're they're gone because that officer feels like they're and i don't know why you shoot people running it's like the stupidest thing ever don't if someone's running don't shoot them chase them just because maybe you don't go to the gym as often as you should you shouldn't freaking shoot somebody you know what i'm isn't saying like also, it's, it's isn't that also illegal for a police officer to shoot someone as they're uh, running away 
I would think so. I mean, but again, if you see anything, and I don't even watch the news, but it still shows up on social media. You know, it's it still yeah. shows up somewhere. You know, so you see this stuff happening, and it's just it's just ridiculous sometimes. You know, but again, it it we're in a place where no one wants to do the work, and so the guys that do it, they're so amped up and and you know what i'm saying i mean so there's all there's a lot of things like that are happening you know there's a lot that goes into it um jordan with your brain that you have now if you were if that was in your 12 year old brain what would you have done differently would you have done anything differently absolutely not no I, i'm sure i would have done the same exact thing you know uh, because i knew i could prove who i was and yeah. that's you know, it, it was a mistaken identity, right? I mean, essentially, it's mistaken identity. Uh, you know, when, when you look like me with a last name like this, you get mistaken a lot for something that you're not. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's just, it's bound to happen. I mean, I get people that, that speak Spanish to me all the time. There's some people that think, you know, I'm Hawaii. I mean, I, it, just because of the way I look, people make their assumptions, right? And assumptions aren't always right, as we know. Yeah. I think I'm lucky with like being a bit uh, neutral in a sense because like I've been mistake. I always get mistaken for like so many different uh, like ethnicities and my name is pretty is okay. It's it's Arabic origins, but uh, it's not like a very pop out name, not a very common name like Ahmad or some or Ahmad or something like that. So when they see my name is like, oh, OK, it's like, what is that? And it's just like it's it's a bit confusing to them because I've been yeah. mistaken for a Latino multiple times <laughs> and like I've been mistaken for someone from Ecuador or for Peru or even Colombia and I was and there and it was the mistake was coming from other Spanish speaking people like other Latinos yeah well, you know, it's very funny so it, adversity is an interesting thing right I don't know if you guys have read uh Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, where in talks about, you know, with every adversity comes an equal and greater opportunity. And it's funny because although I was beaten and falsely arrested at 12, uh, in 2020, 21, somebody nominated me as like a top 10 Latino on LinkedIn. <laughs> right. So, so there's a little bit of redemption, right? I've got, I'm That's an funny. honorary Latino in 2022. And in the nineties, I was beaten and falsely arrested for being Latino. So, you know, I think, I think things always come back around for the good, you know? Uh, and so I always think that's, that, that's interesting that people, you know, they, they confuse you or they, they think that you're something and, and then they award you for it. And it's like, Hey, I appreciate it. It's an honor because I've seen the other end. I've been on the other end and it's not, it's not a fun end to be on. Um, were you, um, like scared or were you just like, um, without it? Yeah. In, in the moment, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scared, you know, cry, like confused, you know, all of that in, in the moment, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're dealing with that. But, um, you know, they, they sent me to a psychologist. I had to, you know, look at all the black and white picture, you know, they're asking me questions <laughs> about like, do you hate cops? Like, what do you see? They, they were doing all that and wow. there, nothing had changed for me. You know, mm. I, I, you know, and I almost felt like they're trying to get me to say something, you know what I'm saying? I could yeah. kind of yes, sense exactly. that. And I was like, <laughs> no, that's that's a bird. Like, you know, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh but but uh it's interesting going through that process because because again, you know, you see it when you see it in on TV and when you see it in the movies, it's always like you know, this person is highly impacted for the long haul. Right? And, and for me that just wasn't the case. And I don't know if that's from seeing 
you know, having the empathy from seeing my mom get, my mom almost died several times before she died at 54. I mean, I've been in the hospital. I've communicated when she had a tracheotomy with pen and paper and had to talk to each other that way. Yeah, I've seen some hard, hard stuff. And so I think that that level of empathy truly helped me when that process was taking place. You know, you mentioned uh, when you were uh, nominated on uh, LinkedIn for the top 10 Latinos in the world. Um, do you think that racial identity is, very, is crucial in a person's life or is it just something that they choose, whether it's a, an important aspect of their personality or their lifestyle, anything of the sort? Um, I mean, as someone that's a you know of mixed race that grew up in the U.S., Mm-hmm. I think it's it's important if it's important. I think it's up to the, the individual to decide, right? Because, I mean, you see a lot of, you know, American-born anything, and they don't speak the language. They don't, yeah. you know, go to the, the – participate in the holiday. You know what I'm saying? They kind of are doing their thing. They identify that that's part of their race, but they don't officially, I guess, do all of the stuff to claim it, if that makes sense. Yeah, they've um, more I, adopted the, the American culture, you'd say. Yeah, they, they've, they've essentially adopted it as, yeah, as American. And, and for me, like, you know, I didn't even meet my dad a, until I was 12. Actually, I met my dad the year that that happened, at 12 years old. It's the first time I met my dad, and he actually lived in Washington, D.C., and he had a landscaping business. And, you know, so that was a, that's a whole other podcast, right, of, like, going <laughs> and meeting a, a guy from the Philippines and getting immersed in a culture for a whole summer and like what that looked like and he had money and we got to do things and i went back home to being poor i mean that's 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 a whole other show right (laughs) but that's but those are all things that that have really helped shape and mold me and and you know getting to go to the philippines at 16 uh what a great experience that was and and be there for three months and truly see what poverty looks like and, and realize that I, even though I was poor on paper in the States, I had it real good compared to life in the Philippines. I wasn't pumping my own water. I wasn't using a small bucket and a big bucket as my bath and shower. You know, I wasn't <laughs> out there in the freaking rice patties trying to, you know, bring in the dinner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, you know, that. I could go to McDonald's and I had a shower and you know what I'm saying? And so it really shifted my perspective at 16. Yeah. And filled my heart. You mentioned gratitude, Ali, earlier. It filled my heart with such a sense of gratitude for what I had. I mean, I, I was seeing kids in in the mountains at this park called Mindsview Park in Baguio City, Philippines, where you're, you're overlooking these beautiful mountains. And you look down below, and there's all these shacks and shanties. And you look further down, and there's kids ingenuitive entrepreneur kids that have found the biggest bamboo sticks they could find. They attach a bucket, a basket to the end of it, and they're holding those things up so the tourists can throw money down. I mean, you you talk about creativity and you talk about figuring out a way to provide for your family. I mean, those kids are doing it. Another thing I I noticed is we went out to the landfill and, and we are bringing stuff there. And there's kids everywhere waiting. They're waiting for it so they could pick through it and then bring whatever back to their families. And so, man, you want to talk about a a shift in your world? Go to a third world country. Like that's that's the best field trip you can take, folks, is go experience what life is like somewhere else where people don't have the luxuries that we have. You know, you know, this was 
first trip was in 96 they were dressing like they were 76 you know like they're a couple decades behind and in, in stuff man that that was massive for me you know and i think uh having a getting a sense of the culture and the history and family and learning the language and kind of getting immersed in that for me it was an honor yeah completely agree on that uh, point especially the concept of traveling because us on the podcast we've uh, on countless times mentioned that traveling is a type of like education by itself especially if you're going to third world countries i mean me and ali we we grew up in a third world country we know the bucket the bucket uh, shower thing we've, we've experienced <laughs> yep. it and, uh... <laughs> yeah all the, the lizards crawling around in your house and you know and i was catching them and people are like don't touch them like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it, it's definitely like a lesson in itself um and traveling in general just exposing yourself to different cultures uh, different cultures and different people seeing different lifestyles it can really it opens up your mind and just allows 100%. you to be a different person than just if you stick to your own bubble and you know you're just being exposed to the the same routines and the same mentality same mindset it's, yep. i feel like it's it's like a recommendation if you want to become su successful it's a, a very important and a crucial point in your life to go travel especially to, like you said a third world country yeah when i finished high school at 18 i, I left I left at 18, moved out, moved to Seattle. From there, I moved to California. From there, traveled all over the country, you know, doing sales. And, and what a great experience, right? You talk about learning different cultures, different states, different rules, different laws, different people. Uh, and, and man, it, it definitely helped to enrich my life by going through all those different experiences and you know and, and i want to get to pivotal moment number three right we you've, you've kind of seen you've kind of seen i've been through a little bit of adversity but I, mm -hmm. I tend to look through the lens of positivity and you know what what did i gain from this not what did this thing take away from me and so at before 19, you go into that can i yeah. can i just uh, can i just ask what are your like top three uh, suggested locations for people to go to uh, where they can learn something from it uh, in the U.S. or just in the world no, abroad, or abroad? Yeah, and in, in the world. Yeah, I mean, go go to Manila, <laughs> go to Man <laughs> go to Manila, go to Manila, Philippines, and go to one of any one of the mega malls, and you're gonna see life moving so fast. I mean, these places are like five or six stories, and they're just abundant with people, and there's just so much happening, and and so much bartering going on, and negotiations. I mean, you can you're gonna learn a lot uh, by by going to 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 Manila into one of those mega malls. It's just a completely different experience than than in the U.S. Um, an, another unique experience, and we'll stay in the topic of the Philippines, is go to a wet market. <laughs> so a, a wet market is where the, all the bloody meats hanging and yeah. you, got, you guys you, have seen, you know what I'm talking about right <laughs> that's, where that's where you get covid right? that's where you get probably that's where you get a lot of things probably but again it's a it's a very it's a very third world thing where you've got mm -hmm. I mean just raw meat hanging and you oh get to kind God. of pick out your cuts and there's and then like it's it's a unique smelly but unique experience you know um, so th those are some places I would I would say to check out and then and then really like i would say if, if for people in the u.s you know get out and see some of some of uh, you know the big states and what i mean by that you know oregon 
Washington, Montana, Wyoming, these places that just have so much abundance of land and really show you how small you are. You know, go experience that. The Grand Canyon, what a, what a beautiful place. Sedona, Arizona, you know, some places that you go and, and it's just a different experience energy-wise because just the places, different places on earth actually provide different experiences for you. So uh, I would say that Niagara Falls, I mean, what a, what a great place. I got to do one of the boat rides underneath the falls and, and you want to realize how powerful water is, go to Niagara <laughs> Falls and it's a lot different than just a bath or, you know, a, a little tiny waterfall. So some of those places I would say definitely go out and, and check them out. Mm -hmm. that, that's a great answer. And I, I hope uh, people are listening are going to at least mm -hmm. try some of these suggestions. So yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, now so, we're so, on to pivotal yeah, point number three. Now, that's right? it. Yeah, so so 19, right? I'm, I'm doing the sales thing. And when I talk about sales, like we would literally go business to business. We're the people walking in. We're, we're giving you a sales pitch and we might walk out with money, right? Like that was the type of sales that, that we did. And we also did door to door. So knocking on people's doors, a hundred doors a day in the heat, in the snow, like whatever the climate was. So when you're doing that type of sales, the first thing I will say is you got to have a bulletproof mindset. You have to yeah. understand that it's a numbers game that you have to, the more people you see, the more money you're going to make, right? If you lose your attitude, people are going to tell, they can read your facial expressions. They can see if you've lost your attitude. And so, you know, we were actually going to open an office. We were in California. We were going to open a new office in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, just to, to kind of give context. That's probably like 2,600 miles different. So all the way across the country. And so on this trip, we had a caravan of about four cars. And we decide to take the, the, the scenic route. We went from the Bay Area. We went down to Salt Lake City, right? You got to check places out. You got to you got to see what these places are like. Went down to Vegas, went up to Phoenix, went to Sedona, Arizona, which I had mentioned as a place to check out. And then we were finally getting our way into uh, into Wyoming. And by the time we get to Wyoming, uh, it's about four in the morning. It's very late. Um, for anyone that's watching or is going to listen to this, if you've ever been to Wyoming, you know there is nothing in Wyoming. It's flat. It's desolate. There's not a gas station with, for 40 <laughs> miles. It's it's not a place you want to be late at night. And in fact, there's more fatalities on I-80 than any other stretch of freeway in the country because of that fact. And so we're on that exact stretch of highway, and I'm in this truck, a Chevy King Cab truck, my buddy Jeremy's driving. There's two other passengers in the front. And I was situated seating sideways in the back, like kind of facing out the driver's side area. Uh, just there's boxes and stuff. And so uh, it's four or something in the morning. My buddy Jeremy falls asleep at the wheel. So the truck literally, I was asleep. The truck slides and oh at no, north of 70 miles an hour because he overcorrected the wheel. And then immediately we just start flipping and it just flip, flip. Several times the, fi the truck finally lands. The truck lands, and I just remember yelling, holy crap, like three times, and the truck lands. So yeah. the two people in front of me, they get out. Uh, I climb out. Our buddy Jeremy, nowhere to be found. He got ejected from the, the windshield, and he actually landed 25 yards away from where the truck landed. And so our, our whole caravan, we're all going out. We're searching for him. We finally find our friend. And he, he just looks dead. I mean, he looks gone. But then all of a sudden, he stands up, yells something, and falls back down. 
And we were like, oh my gosh, like we got to find him help. So, so we had some guardian angels that day because a couple off-duty EMTs were at a conference in Colorado. They literally happened to drive just as the accident had completed. And so they, they got out, they ran, they called an ambulance. Uh, they called a helicopter for our buddy. He got life flighted to Casper. I actually didn't realize I was hurt because of the adrenaline. And all of a sudden, I started smelling a very irony smell. And I reached in my right leg, and it went into my leg about a fist deep. My hand did. And wow. I had a, a, a cut. 12 inches long on my right leg, a fist deep, an eight inch cut on my left leg. I had to have 52 staples between both legs. Ooh. And I was told you may not walk again. And my buddy got life flighted. He had to have brain surgery. Uh, you know, the, the good news in all of this is I made a six month recovery after I was told I may not walk again, six months from accident to me being able to go play basketball again or to run again. Just incredible. My buddy Jeremy made a full recovery. Now it's got a beautiful wife and, and three kids. You know, I like, it's just, it's crazy because if you looked at the trucks, I and Ali, if you look at where I was supposed to be sitting, the whole thing was smashed in like a dang tuna can. I mean, and that, oh, there's God. no reason any of us should have survived or, or walked away from that. And, one of the craziest parts of the story is in, in Utah, we were in a Walmart parking lot. Uh, me and my buddy Brandaris, we actually almost got in a fist fight. You know, we were, you were young, 19, 18, and we were trying to fight at who got to ride in the cool truck, okay, uh, which is the truck that I rode in. And I ended up winning the fight. I won the argument. I was the guy that ended up being in the truck. And I remember when I woke up in that hospital bed, I, the first person I saw was Brandaris. I just looked in his face and I said, I'm glad it was me because I was like, you know, what if Brandaris would have won the fight? What if he wouldn't have been sitting where I was sitting? Like we could have lost our friend, you know? And so, uh, it's one of those things where you think about it and it's like, I, I think was I was supposed to be. to be there. Right. Yeah. And maybe I was also supposed to be there because I argued and I was <laughs> arrogant, you know what I'm saying? And so there, there's some lessons that you can, that you can take away in everything in life. Right. And, and yeah. for me, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and it's why you'll see me on LinkedIn or Instagram or on TikTok posting breakdancing videos, because I shouldn't be able to do this at 41. I shouldn't be able to do windmills and spin and, and, you know, be as active. I play basketball three or four days a week. I I'm running. I, I could get off the couch and not running and go run five miles. It just shouldn't, it shouldn't be possible. And so for me, that just, I, I know that there is a, you know, for, for one, I'm, I'm here for a higher purpose. I'm here, you know, my story's not done yet. You know, there's still some fuel left in my tank. Right. And so my, and what I believe that is, is to truly help others blaze their own trail in business and life, you know, to realize that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you've gone through, you can still have success. You can still build something that you want. You can blaze a trail out there. You just have to be willing to put forth the effort, you have to be willing to step up to the plate and do things that might feel a little uncomfortable. But it, it, the truth is instability creates stability, not the other way around. And most people get it wrong. They feel like they have to be stable in order to fit into instable situations, but you actually have to feel a little bit of instability to learn how to become stable. And that's why you're so excited, Mike. All these traumatic moments and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> That's it. Wow. If uh, so, like, if you look back and you were like, um, 
Will you be like, I wish it never happened to me? Or are you? No, oh, no, like, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, no, 100 mm -hmm. percent. I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, you know, if, if this type of stuff didn't happen, I wouldn't have a lot of the success that I've had because I'm, I'm able to show people that it's possible to overcome. You know, it's possible, you know, have, and we haven't, you haven't heard the whole story yet, right? Like we, mm -hmm. my, my wife wasn't supposed to have kids either. And our, in fact, our first was a miscarriage. Like talk about a tough thing to go through losing, you get excited about having a child and then you lose a child. I mean, you know, the adversity is not going to stop. It doesn't stop for anybody, but we, right. As humans, we get to determine what we do with it. Mm -hmm. Can we leverage it for success or can we have it bring us down because again there's always a choice there's always two sides to a coin and we get to determine what that is what that looks like and i choose to look through a positive lens even when there's utter chaos happening i always find a good in it you know my wife's yeah. like man you always say but well but the good news is you know because i'm always trying to look at the optimistic side uh and not everyone not everyone chooses to do that and that's and that's fine but there's a, there's a lot of value in uh, trying to look at the positive. You know, the way that you've picked out lessons from all of these traumatic uh, events in your life, um, it's not a simple thing. And a lot, a lot of people, whenever they would have something like this, they just, you know, they'd give up or they say, it's, it's a sign for me to quit. I kind of want to, I, I want to know from you, like, what's an underrated skill to have when, you know, when you're facing these kind of traumatic events? What kind of, what is the most underrated skill to have to help you through these situations? Oh man. Something that maybe people don't talk about that much. Um, I would say processing, you know, being being able to actually process and dissect what what you're feeling when you're feeling it. And a lot of that comes mm -hmm. down to self awareness. Self awareness is yes. so underrated. And, you know, I, used I was hoping teach, you'd say that actually. <laughs> yeah. I used to teach a, a, a six month leadership program. And one of the sessions that I taught on was on emotional intelligence. And of course, the, you know, the four mm -hmm. buckets of EQ, it's self-awareness, you know, being able to understand yourself in situations, self-management, how do you manage your emotions? And then we get into social settings and relationship management. And my biggest area, it's funny when I took the assessment, I was actually a little mad. <laughs> I went to the instructor and I was like, this is wrong. Like this, I do not agree with this. I don't believe. And she's like, tell me more, you know, let, let me know why you're feeling this. And I said, well, I scored low for relationship management. And she said, okay, well, tell me, how are you at building relationships? I'm like, I'm, I'm the guy that gets all my friends together. When I go back in town, I do this and I do that. She's like, well, do you think that let, let's look at your sheet. And in fact, I scored myself low because <laughs> I was the one that filled it out. And it's because it came natural to me. Relationships are easy. It's what I do. It's my bread and butter. I'm, it's it's not hard for me. It's, it's something I'm very skilled at. It's building relationships with people. And so I didn't see that as a strength. Does that make sense? Uh, and so when, when you take an EQ assessment, I'm just giving this to your audience, don't always hold everything with a grain of salt. Don't always take everything as where it is. Challenge it a little bit. Because you might be wrong like I was, and, and actually you're the one that did it because you didn't even recognize it was a strength for you. But let's go back to self-awareness. Self-awareness is everything. If you can understand yourself, how you're wired, another thing I would highly encourage people to do to understand themselves is take some type of personality assessment. Okay, and, and again, assess, the personality assessments, they're not the end-all, be-all, but they give us a baseline of how we're wired. 
You know, when you can understand how you're wired and the preferences that you have, it actually starts to give you grace for other people and understanding that people are different than you. When, when I took MBTI and eventually became a certified practitioner and I use it with clients still, still to this day, um, my, I had my wife take it. And man, there were so many big epiphanies and us sitting on our kitchen floor crying because she's like, you're just, you're not an idiot. Like, it's just how you're wired. You know, like you, you do this thing because, of, you know, because of this and then we were able to really connect on a deeper level and have a different sense of grace for each other because we realized that you know what we're not the same and we shouldn't be now again we are way more okay this is important we are way more than our type okay so don't ever use type as a crutch because in life you have to actually flex like I'm naturally an extroverted person but there are times when I have to shift to introversion does that make sense and yeah. and so I, I don't I naturally want to be the life of the party but there's times when I may have to kind of turn that off and turn that back a little bit you know and we and if we don't flex and I'll tell you this for anyone that is in a relationship or a marriage or maybe you aspire to be if you don't flex it's not going to last folks if you aren't <laughs> flexible and if you if you don't understand you know when when even though you may prefer things a certain way that you have to flex and put a different hat on uh, it's not going to be a success take take it from a guy that's been <laughs> been with you know together with someone for for two decades okay uh, and made a lot of mistakes <laughs> along the way so <laughs> Uh, amazing. I'm curious to hear about your, your the fourth story and the fourth pivotal moment too. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That that fourth one. Uh, this is the <laughs> one. That, this is the one that that hit that hit different, right? And so I get a I get a call in uh, November of 2011. Um, you know, just to kind of set up context. It, at this point, I went from doing all the the traveling sales guy stuff to you know we had our first child. We were really struggling. We were living with my wife's grandmother. I call my dad to help us, which I never do. And he agrees to let us move in for a month, <laughs> right? Some tough love. He's like, yeah, we'll help you for a month. And then you're going to get your own place and all that. So we end up moving from Georgia to Maryland and I end up doing landscaping with my dad. And, and so just rewind a little bit when I was 12, met my dad that summer, he put me to dang work. <laughs> you know, I, I learned real fast how much I hated landscaping because I was picking <laughs> up sticks. I was weed eating, mowing, blowing, you name it, transplanting, learning about plants. And I had zero interest in it, but I, at 12, fast forward now I'm 22. I'm a decade in bro. Like I've got That's an interesting way to <laughs> to freeze it. And that's the podcast. See, <laughs> oh, I think I think I, I think I lost you there for a second. Yeah, um, yeah. So, landscaping. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I end up, you know, doing landscaping right as a twelve-year-old, and so you fast forward. I'm now, you know, twenty-two with a newborn, moving back. I have a decade of experience at this point. Okay, so I end up leading his crew. I've got a crew of five guys that I'm leading in landscaping. This is back in like 2005. Uh, none of them speak English, so I'm having to pick up Spanish again, which I failed in high school, you know, and lead this crew around. We're doing 35 houses a day. 35 houses, guys, a day, wow. landscape, weeding, blowing, picking up sticks. Some of them were mulching, rock gardens, you name it, we're, we're knocking this stuff out. Well, it was all great from spring until about you know September, October, but once all the leaves were gone, guess what comes in Washington, D.C.? Snow. 
and can can you cut grass in the snow? You could try, then yeah. <laughs> fail. It's not going to work, right? Can can you put mulch out in the snow? So I lost that income source. My dad's like, oh, it's winter. I'm like, he's like, yeah. So unfortunately, we can't work. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm back to the drawing board again. So I had to get a job, and and so I I got a job selling windows, which I sucked at until my very last day. I, I sold ten thousand dollars in windows, but and then I I took a job with another company, which which is uh, which is pretty crazy. So I get this job with a uh, property management company in doing leasing. So if, if you ever rented an apartment, guys, you ever had the person that showed you around, uh, that was me. So I was the leasing agent. You know, I did so well at sales that in six months they promoted me to assistant property manager, which was the worst decision they could have made because I hated math. You know? <laughs> and I went from, they took the top sales guy and they made me a glorified bookkeeper and collection agent. So because I hated it so much, I excelled so fast. Nine months later, they made me a property manager. And now I went from leasing, not knowing anything about property management or multifamily housing to managing multi-millions in real estate and feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, So that's kind of my intro into property management. So if we fast back forward to this pivotal moment in 2011, I now have about you know, five, six years experience in property management. I'm managing a, a, a community in Atlanta, 558 units. I have 24 employees. Okay. So I've grown, I've grown some, right? And so I'm like kind of at the top of my game and I get a call from my mom and she says, Hey, uh, Jordan, uh, I fell. want to let you, I'm okay. They're just running some tests. And that was the last time I heard my mom's voice was was that time because she uh she got sick she got pneumonia she was hospitalized her kidneys started to fail her heart started to fail and it was all because of the capacity of having one lung from that you know 54 years uh and man that was that was tough three months of traveling out to the west coast visiting the hospital for some reason i got even though there was five of us boys and i have an older brother i was appointed kind of the point of contact and so dealing with the doctors you know making all these decisions you know doing all this stuff man and that was that was tough and i got demoted which is actually the best thing that probably could have happened because i wasn't in the game my head was elsewhere i have a sick mom that was dying and in march of 2012 on the 9th i get a call from my brother that she was gone and man, when I tell you that, you know, three months her being sick and the three months after, uh, I don't remember, you know, I remember waking up and getting in the car. I don't remember get, how I got to work. I remember kind of a little bit of the day. I don't remember driving home. And it was just this fog for six months. But during that time and getting that demotion, it allowed me some breathing room, you know, because when you suffer loss, especially for a guy like me that loved my mom to death, I was a mama's boy for sure, talked once or twice a day. When you go from that to not being able to hear them and, and you're never going to be able to say what you want to say to them or speak to them again. I mean, it was it was a dark place. And uh, so while I was in this new property that they demoted me at, you know, I was able to, to build a team there and have them have success and get promoted. And, and, and people in corporate recognized that. And I got an opportunity to apply for a training role. And then that sent me on a journey of eight years in training and development, you know, got to teach a leadership program for three years. And, and all that stuff showed me that 
you know, there's more out there. And I started to realize that, you know, I'm making a great impact for this company. I'm coaching people. I'm putting people through leadership cohorts and they're telling me their life is different. Their life has changed. They understand more about themselves. And I just said one day, I was like, you know what, if I stay in corporate, I'm not going to be able to impact people out there. I'm not going to be able to impact, you know, the large number of people I want to impact. And so, you know, in Jan- January of 21, I, I decided to blaze my own trail. I've been talking about it for two years on the dang podcast. And, and I blazed my own trail to, to start my business. And, and man, it's been off to the races uh, since then. Damn, what a, what a run, man. It's like all of the, these four pivot point, uh, moments that you've mentioned also, like, like they've each one has like uh, the way I'm breaking it down is a different lesson of physical, mental and emotional adversity. You know, like, yeah, it's just teaching you how to become stronger in each different aspect of of the human self and and how they formed you as as you are right now, as the person you've become. And I really believe when you mentioned also self-awareness without it, I don't think you'd have been able to become the person you are now. Oh, no, no, hundred percent. No. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, another thing is identifying your strengths. You know, I'm a big believer in the strength finder assessment, you know, trying to identify what your strengths are and then actually taking time to strengthen your strengths. You know, most people focus on strengthening weaknesses and so their strengths actually start to diminish a little bit. But when you can actually focus on, you know, your God-given gifts and abilities and make those even better, uh, in my experience, that that's really, really is transformational, you know? Okay, I completely um, agree. I, uh, I'm just curious, so... I mean, I'm learning a lot from your story and it's like, uh, you know, inspiring me and making me reflect on the things that happened to me in my past. Um, what do you, how would you suggest someone to grow? Um, like, see, all these events happen outside of your control, right? Like, yep. Um, well, what if they don't happen, right? Um, yep. Then how how are you supposed to, to grow the way you did, you know, how are you supposed to create that growth without, because I agree, like every time I have a downturn, it's led to a way bigger upturn, you know? Sure. Yep. And so, um, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on, on, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, growth, I, I think that you, know? you can't compare your story to someone else's. That's the first thing I would tell mm-hmm. you. We, we all have our own, we all, you know, and something that, that may be easy for me could be hard for someone else and, and vice versa. Um, so that's the one thing is I, I, I never, I always tell people, you know, when, when it, when it comes to building your brand, like in business or in life, you tell as much of your story as you're comfortable sharing and, and not a drop more, right? That's important. And for me, I'm very comfortable in, in sharing context because again, my goal is to inspire. It's, it's to show people that, Hey, you know, no matter what has happened, right. You know, growing up poor, that's one thing. There's a lot of people that grew up poor, right. Uh, getting, uh, racially profiled. Like that happens to a lot of people every day. I'm sure hundreds and hundreds of people, right. So, so it's, it's usually not one, but I've kind of, I've had kind of the, the trifecta plus some of things. And so I can relate to a lot of audiences 
out there. And so that's why I share the way that I do. But but like you said, Saeed, there's lessons, right? I think that's the most important thing because whatever your down looks like, Ali, there's going to be a lesson. And I think the goal should be is how what can I extract out of this? And it's hard while you're in it to see it. It's always when you're on that uphill climb, when you're able to look back and extract what that lesson is, right? Because I, I could tell you this, when I'm being beaten or being stung or in this accident and being rushed to a hot, you know what I'm saying? There's no lesson there. It's, it sucks, you know, it's because yeah. you're, because you're in it in that moment. Um, but I think too often what I, what I see is that people don't bring it out. I, it, you have to talk about it. You know, you, you have to share it with other people. And that's when you start to realize the value in your story. Okay. And, and honestly, my mom's story is what it was actually sh shine the light on my own because I didn't really before 2019, 2018, I, I didn't even talk about my mom's stuff. And when I started sharing hers, I started to reflect back on what I had been through and said, I've got a dang story of my own. I've got a story to tell. And if, if it impacts one, you know, if I can inspire one person a day, then I feel like my job is done. You know, I think the worst thing that you can do is if you have a story or a message to share is not share it, is, is to not actually push it out to the world. I'm inspired. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> me <laughs> it <too>. worked. <laughs> um, one more thing I'm going to ask is like, uh, so not like, do you look forward to things going rough your way? Like when something gets rough, you're like, okay, <laughs> go. Yeah, no, I don't think, it, I don't think you, I don't think it's like that. I'm not like a storm chaser. You know, I'm not like an <laughs> adversity chaser where I'm like, let, there's a wild pack of wolves. Let me go jump into that <laughs> den over there. No, it's not like that, but it, I, I think it's just more that I, I'm confident that I'm going to be able to figure it out. You know, it, it gives you this, this sense of there's not going to be a situation that's too big. Does that make sense? Uh, and, and now that's, that's a lot though. That's, that's a lot because again, you know, you, I, there could be a number of things going on and I actually thrive in chaos and why I think it's because I've been through chaos, you know, you, you, you end up kind of adopting the things that, that you've been through. And so when those situations take place, when there's a fight or flight situation, you know, I, I kind of am squared up and I know how to deal with that, if that makes sense. Like you're more prepared for these situations, yeah. Yeah, it's it's preparedness, and mm -hmm. again, and again, yeah, like adversity. I said it earlier, but you know, it gives you strength. And, and there's a quote I'd love to share with you guys and with your audience that I actually wrote in 2019. I didn't know how much I would need it in 2020 with the the pandemic that happened, and it's still adding value to people, you know, even in 2022. And so, what the quote is is that uh, the struggle might be real, but the good news is that every struggle comes with a free gift called a lesson. And if you can really think about it that way, it, it is yeah. true, right? If you very true again, but it's up to us, like I said before, to extract those lessons and it's not going to happen while you're in the, the heat of the battle. It's, it's going to typically take place when you're on that uphill climb. Wow. Um, <laughs> Jordan, we're kind of wrapping up on time now and that's a beautiful quote. Sure. Aside, do you have anything uh, you want to ask before we um, wrap up here? Um, no, for me, I think I've 
I told you I, we weren't going to talk about business till the end, right? Did, yeah. did, I, did I do okay with that? Yeah. That helpful? No, I, no. Okay. I think we might need to do another podcast for business. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We've we've learned. I've learned. Yeah, so much, and you know, there's still, um, you know, I've learned now, so now much the, from the, you. The, Thanks for the, sharing the story. Yeah. The the fun thing is though, everything that I talked about can relate back to business. Yes, right. I agree. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so that's your, that's, those are the lessons. Take those lessons and apply them to business and mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to, you know, go out and leverage some of the tools we talked about. Go take an EQ assessment, go take, you know, if you, if you don't want to invest in Myers-Briggs, there's a plenty of free ones out there. Just Google free MBTI. I mean, but if you don't invest in you guys, no one's going to invest in you. If you don't, you know, take action on, on what you want in life, it's not going to just show up in your lap. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. And uh, the power of stories, too, is like uh, you could have been here and said some sales or business or leadership things. But it's like to hear these stories, you know, it's like we're emotionally invested and and I'll remember these stories, you know, and uh, well, thanks for sharing. It. That's that's yeah. the goal, right? It's, it's like, how do we you know, how can we impact through our story? You know, and, and when I'm working with my coaching clients, that's what I teach them how to do is like, you know, there's a lesson everywhere. If, if you if you actually go researching for it, you go hunting for it, uh, I'm sure you can find some lessons that, that you can then package and and leverage to actually help people, right? Whether that's through a podcast, whether that's, you know, yeah. through, I, I, I got a chance to write a book last year. It's called Brand Sharks. There's 11 of us authors. Uh, and a lot of my pivotal moments, people can read, you know, in this book and also give them practical ways on how to build a brand because everything that I've done, the, you know, close to 200,000 followers across platforms, that all started with one follower. You know, that all started with me fumbling around trying to figure it out. But again, you know, you know, action creates momentum. Momentum creates consistency. Consistency creates habits, and habits create results. So that's that's what I'll leave you guys with <laughs> in your audience. So. I'm definitely gonna clip that part and just keep it for myself. <laughs> there you go. Sharon, shared. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the pod, Jordan. Um, where no. can people find um, find you, your book, your podcast? Yeah, yeah, easiest place if uh, you know I'm active on social media. So if you uh, Twitter, link, or Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok are all at Jordan J Mendoza. Uh, you can find me uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a platform we, we put out daily content out out on as well. And then we've got a YouTube channel. So just you research me. You can even just Google Jordan Mendoza podcast, and I've got all the real estate on Google just from all the you know close to 100 episodes we put out of the show. So hey, listen, I want to honor you guys though. You guys asked some great questions. I just want to get provide that feedback to you and 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 what you're doing is great. You know, this these are the important conversations to have. Like you said, we we didn't have to go into business, but there's a lot of business that we that we truly talked about it if mm-hmm. you yeah. if you can kind of extract the lessons from that. So I appreciate your time. Uh, I know it takes a lot to do shows, you know, as a as a fellow host <laughs> and I always want to make sure to honor the host and and tell you guys you're doing a great job. Thank you so much for being our guest this day. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. We started off with zero subscribers. We were young and lonely, and then we connected with other people. <laughs> yeah. and now we've grown a lot, and now we've had, we have a couple hundred Saeed, subscribers. make sure to clip that, too. Make sure to clip that one, too. <laughs> and you, too, can be a subscriber. You, too, can be a subscriber if you subscribe down below. All right. Thank you so much, Jordan. All right. Yep. Peace, love, and happiness. Adios. We salute to the camera, and then... <laughs>